The Athletic. The Athletic Women's Football Podcast is proudly partnered with Now. With a Now Sports membership, you can watch the biggest moments from the Women's Super League live. Find out more at nowtv.com. They've had their warning. They've had their warning. Here's Lucy Bronze. That is remarkable from Arsenal. Kirby with the ball up towards Hello and welcome to the Athletic Women's Football Podcast in partnership with Now. Coming up, even a City red card can't turn Manchester red. Marnham's missile maintains Arsenal's unbeaten run. And we play start one, bench one and sell one with the new Ballon d'Or nominees. Joining myself, Lindsay Hooper, and in Kate Borsay's absence, it's former Matilda Alicia Ferguson and freelance women's football writer Rich Laverty. Apologies if Alicia sounds a bit muffled. Uh, she's out on the road, always busy. Uh, Alicia Rich, welcome along to the show. Um, I'll start with Alicia, who I saw on a TV gantry very recently, watching the Champions League. How's your week been? Can't complain. Got back into the co-commentary, which I love. I haven't done it for 10 years. It was a little bit rusty, but uh, what a game to make a comeback for. Yeah, fantastic effort from Wolfsburg. And it was lovely to see you too on that gantry. It was. It's always nice to see a familiar face. I haven't seen this one for a while, but I know him very well. Freelance women's football writer, Rich Laverty. How are you? I'm good. Thanks, Linz. Um Yeah, been busy here as well, obviously, with our game at at Bramall Lane on Saturday against Liverpool, which was great um, by the result, but we had a great attendance. So, uh, yeah, it's been uh, it's been a busy time, but all positive. Very good. Um, whilst we've got Alicia Rich, I feel like we should question her about all the Aussie imports into WSL and and who's been <laughs> standing out, Alicia, apart from the obvious Sam Kerr, which we all know. Yeah, it's difficult though, isn't it? Because Sam Kerr is standing out. And she's just going from strength to strength. I think it's been a fantastic move from in the WSL. Um, I went to watch my old Brisbane Raw teammate, Tamiki Allop, at West Ham on Sunday. Um, a bit of a frustrating game, I think, for West Ham. They definitely had the majority of possession, but just couldn't convert it into a win against Birmingham. But uh, great to see Meeks. I think she's in good form. It'll be good to see M Gilnick, actually, once she gets back on the pitch for Villa as well, because I think she could start lighting up the WSL. For you, Rich, of all of the Aussies, who's caught your eye? Um, I mean, yeah, again, it's hard not to just say Sam Kerr, but um, I mean, Caitlin Ford, I think, has done really well at Arsenal. Um, I think, like Alicia said, Emily Gielnick's another one who I think we'll see the best of over time. Hayley Razo, another one, you know, I thought she was great last season and, and it's sort of exciting to see how she'll do at Manchester City um, once she settles in. And, and to be honest, I'd probably say Steph Catley as well, because I think there was a lot of excitement when Steph signed for Arsenal and Probably not seen the best of her yet, obviously, with injuries and things. So, um, you know, I think she's another one that I'll be keeping an eye on this season. Rich, I think you've just mentioned, you've mentioned every Aussie there, Rich. <laughs> oh, there's, there's, there's definitely quite a few that I haven't. I know, yeah. It's great, though. I, mean, I think like, it's great that um, they're, they're making an impact in the WSL, I think, um, you know, as an Australian and stuff. I think it's great for our development as a national team. And it's fantastic for the players to experience what I think is one of the best leagues in the world. Yeah, and we've got that Ballon d'Or list that we'll be coming to later on. You do think in years to come there are going to be more and more Aussies on that list. Well, let's sort the best from the rest from our Moments of the WSL with Now. Moments of the Women's Super League with Now. Watch the big moments from the WSL live with a Now Sports membership. Focusing on this weekend then, in a weekend of worldies, we had some great goals, uh, several stunners to choose from. But Alicia and I both went for the same goal from Arsenal's Frieda Marnham. Occasionally, Alicia, you just have to appreciate a quality goal. We thought we'd seen another one from um, Kate McCabe. And then up pops Frieda with this one to make it uh, the final goal for Arsenal in this game against Everton. What a rocket of a shot. It was fantastic, wasn't it, Linz? I think, um, look, there was a bit of questionable defending from Everton, but not taking anything away from Frieda because that ball, it was one of those strikes that it was gaining momentum and gaining pace as it hit the back of the net. It was just absolutely fantastic. And it was one of those ones where you just say, well, pick that out, keeper. Yeah, amazing goal. And is it one that all three of us would agree on or have you got a different moment that you would pick, Rich? Well, I feel like I need to go with a different moment now. Go on then, go on, we'll, we'll let, um, allow you. Well, I was going to be cheeky and say I was getting the record attendance in the championship, but if you want me to keep it to the WSL. Um, I think seeing 
Tash Dowie score was nice um, because obviously she's been, she came back to the WSL um, this season. She's had a bit of an injury. I think she's always been one of the best strikers in the WSL when she's been here. And, and it was a great goal as well. It was another great goal, like you say, in, in terms of many great strikes this weekend. And um, yeah, it was nice to see her get her first goal back. So, I mean, look, Frieda's was a fantastic strike, not denying that at all. But uh, yeah, if I something a little bit different, I think seeing Tash Dowie score again in the WSL. An important win as well, that one for Reading, uh, which was, we'll come yeah. on to. Uh, well, you've had a taster there. We'll do a deep dive now into all the WSL action. With a Now Sports membership, you can watch all the live Sky Sports action from the Women's Super League. Watch it all for 9.99 with a Now Sports Day membership. Here we go then. We'll begin with Manchester United, Manchester City, because as Manchester derbies go, this one had pretty much everything, even a red card, which we don't see very often in WSL at all, do we? Um, I think it was a case that Manchester City fans' hearts must have sunk when Georgia Stanway was sent off for a dangerous tackle after 35 minutes, especially given the run they've been on. They'd had three league defeats in a row. Khadija Bunny Shaw's goal for the Blues cancelled out by two goals in three minutes from United's Lucy. Staniforth and Alessia Russo but injury hit City did manage to fight back for a point they got a late equaliser courtesy of Ellen White where do you want to begin with this one do we begin with the red card because they're so unusual Alicia uh yeah I think we have to because going down to 10 men as you said with the form that Manchester City are in it, they're always going to be up against uh, against what is a solid Manchester United team um you know I do feel for Georgia it was it was a reckless challenge definitely no intent there but not her natural position, having to slot in at right back. And and I think that's, you know, unfortunately with injury problems and just trying to get things right, I think Gareth Taylor, they're not quite gelling at the moment, are they, Manchester City? They've had a tough start to the season and, and that just compounded things. But credit to them, you know, they stuck in and, and really good of them to get the um, to get the draw in the end. It was very high. I mean, it was thigh, maybe entering into groin area where the studs went in on Leah Galton. And that was in the 35th minute. But the reaction afterwards, Georgia Stanway did go online to say that she apologised for the tackle, but also reminded people that she's human. Mistakes do happen because I think she'd been subject to quite a bit of abuse when she did log on to social media. Um, For any players that do listen to this show, and we do have a few, um, the block and mute button are very handy indeed. You can even put words to block as well, which um, I think all of us probably know how to use that facility. Um, It can be a bit of a cesspit at times. Um, Let's talk about Manchester United. Rich, do you think it was a missed opportunity because they, they were going up against the temple? players yeah I think both will have been a little bit frustrated to be honest I think Man City obviously once they got in the ascendancy even with 10 players I think to have that little sort of five minute spell where they kind of threw it away a little bit I'm sure that will have been frustrating but they probably would have been the happier of the two given you know they were down to 10 players and they obviously have this injury crisis Man United showed good you know spirit and couple of good goals as well, you know, really well-worked corner um, for the first one. So it's probably one of those where both of them, I suppose, were probably quite happy not to lose and not to get that, you know, sort of criticism that comes with that. But I think probably both would have been a little bit frustrated as well in the end. It was probably a fair result. Um, It was a good game from the bits I've seen. So, yeah, maybe it was, I think once they went 2-1 up, Definitely, and you're against 10 players and you've only sort of got 15, 20 minutes to go. It's definitely a missed opportunity, but, you know, credit to Man City. Um, They fought back and, uh, yeah, I think it was probably a fair result. A word on Gareth Taylor, Alicia, because had this been a defeat, you do wonder what would have happened next, given the run that City had been on. But as as a result of the 2-2 draw and certainly coming back in the game with 10 players... It really showed that those out on the pitch were fighting for him, didn't it? Yeah, it's an interesting one, Lynn, that you say. And, and I've had this discussion recently about coaches and performances and what do the clubs do? What's the what's the decision? I mean, it's quite fickle in men's football where you can just get rid of coaches and replace them. But the depth of and quality of coaches with the experience at this level is still pretty light in the women's game. Um, so I don't always necessarily think that's going to be the answer to it. You know, you do want to give coaches an opportunity to bring themselves back and he has been look it's been a tough start to the season they've had tough games and then the injuries as Rich said um, maybe the international break will just be a good time for a a couple of these teams to really consolidate have a bit of a breather 
have a look at where to next in the next um, run of games where they can look to improve and look to pick up points as well. So I think that's definitely something I'm sure Gareth will be, you know, focusing on that, right? That's done now. The five games are out of the way. What's next? What a week it's been for Ellen White. She was the one that got that equaliser. A Ballon d'Or nominee. She will have learned that news. She's now scored against all 17 clubs that she's faced in the WSL, um, the most different opponents of any player. And a first goal of this season for City. Uh, Where do you rank, Alicia, Ellen White, when it comes to strikers? Ellen's up there. I think she still doesn't quite get the respect that she deserves. I think this Ballon d'Or nomination is fantastic. Um, She still flies under the radar a little bit, though, doesn't she? She's not one that's always on the tip of, you know, the greater fandom talking about. Um, But she she scores all types of goals, though. She's a proper goal poacher. And I love that about Els. Her work rate is always exceptional. She is that striker that will chase from one side of the pitch to the other to close down the ball. And she's always willing to take that chance to to be on the front foot, to react to things, to anticipate what's going on. And I mean, I do feel for Mary Earps because that was an exceptional save. A great tip for her to get a yeah. save to it. But yeah. that's what that's what Ellen does so well. She poaches goals. She's in the right place at the right time. And that's not through luck. That is through years and years of anticipating and, and taking that chance. And I think it's fantastic that she's on the list for the Ballon d'Or. We'll leave that one there then and move on. Um, You did speak about record attendances in the championship, Rich. Also worth a note that this was a record peak TV audience for the Manchester Derby, 1.1 million. It does feel like those records are going to get broken week on week throughout this season. Um, Over to Boreham Wood then next for Arsenal against Everton. You're listening to the Athletic Women's Football Podcast, part of the Athletic Podcast Network. Arsenal 3, Everton 0. Arsenal are now the only unbeaten team in the WSL this season after a Marnham and McCabe masterclass. We've already dwelled on the Marnham shot. We'll come on to McCabe in a moment. Um, Both helping the Gunners bounce back from a midweek Champions League defeat to Barcelona. The Toffees couldn't get a look in and Lotta Wubin-Moy made it three as a childhood hero. Ian Wright watched on. He was very close to me in the stands. And um, I must point out as well, he stayed around and had lots of pictures with fans, including Maria, um, probably the best Arsenal supporter going. Let's talk about bouncing back from the Champions League defeat first because I spoke to Emma Hayes and she was really interested in this match. Uh, She said that it would be ideal to find out what Arsenal are really made of because coming back from a Champions League defeat really is the big test. But they they passed it with flying colours, didn't they? Yeah, they did pass it with flying colours. I, I think Arsenal in the league are in very good form. I think Everton aren't. You can see Willie Kirk has tried a few different formations in this first part of the season and there just seems to be a little bit of a disconnection. And I think what he'd probably be most disappointed about is, I mean, Arsenal are a very good team, but in the manner that they conceded some of these goals, I think that, that's the issue. You know, having a look at it, it, it seems like communication's not great. There's, the distances between the players are so far away. So if someone doesn't get a tackle in or win a ball, then the support is, you know, 20 yards away and can't get to it. Now, that's not taking anything away from Arsenal, who have fantastic movement, but it just seems that Everton haven't quite clicked this first part of the season. And again, similar, maybe having a bit of time to, to reset and have a look at it. But yeah, just difficult to find the right formation and where the players fit into that formation for Willie Kirk at the moment. At half-time, though, Karen Carney did say in the Sky Studio, Rich, that this was the best she'd seen Everton at that point in terms of organisation. Probably more levelled at the defence and midfield because it it just felt like the, the attack wasn't really getting much service. But, I mean, did you agree with that? Yeah, I thought they generally kept Arsenal at bay quite well. I mean, Arsenal were very dominant in terms of possession and the little triangle down the left, particularly with Miedemar and with McCabe and with Heath, you know, they were getting in a lot, but, you know, Everton was soaking it up, you know, they were trying to counter-attack and, you know, it's difficult. I mean, they've bought a lot of players, but you still don't kind of expect them to be beating teams like Arsenal because Arsenal are just another level anyway. But, you know, that will come, like Alicia said, it's just that little bit of disconnect. They've bought so many new players and it doesn't matter how good they are and how much of an improvement... Um, they are on the players that you had before. It's going to take a little bit of time for them all to gel together, um, particularly that defensive unit. So, 
It will come. You know, they've had a tough start. They've played Chelsea. They've played Man City. They've played Arsenal in their first five. And, and again, realistically, you know, you don't expect many teams to get points off those three, whatever players you've got. So I suppose really for Everton now, they've got that period to get some work done during the international break. That's the perils of buying so many top players is they won't have many players left um, during the international break now because so many of them are internationals. But you sort of get the feeling with Everton, you know, they got the wins in the other two games um, that they needed to. And yeah, they've got the three tough ones out of the way and their season sort of probably really starts when the international break ends. And if things don't improve, then, you know, maybe you've got to start asking questions. Katie McCabe, let's come on to her because two games in a row, she has scored worldies. And this is a player as well that's got three for the season so far. And in training, she'd said to me afterwards in the post-match interview that her and Frieda Marnham were the worst two for shooting on Saturday (laughs) in training. And then they both pop up with those. Uh, What do you think about her season, Alicia? Because Katie McCabe is someone that we've known about for some time, but she, she really seems to be stealing the limelight at the moment. She's having a fantastic season, isn't she? But the thing that impresses me the most about Katie McCabe is her versatility. She has been utilised in attacking positions, in defensive positions. You can just see in the way she's playing, her energy levels. I know this seems like, but she's enjoying it. She's playing with a smile on her face. She terrorised Australia in the international recently as well, over in Dublin. Yeah, she's just in great form, just in great form. And it's fantastic that... She's got that versatility. You know, you need players like that because if they pick up one or two injuries, other players in the team, she can just slot in anywhere, can't she? And then on top of that, scoring worldies as well. I mean, it's why she, you constantly see her with a huge smile on her face. She's enjoying her football and she's such a quality player. And um, yeah, she's having a fantastic season. Rightly, goals like that will get the attention. But someone who has been picked up, certainly with a lot of the analysis that's happened in the last few days, is Kim Little. I mean, this isn't a player that we don't know very well. She's been in the league for some time, uh, quit international duty with Scotland. And ever since she made that decision, seems to have gone on to another level now. And it is all to do with Kim Little and, and the footwork and the calm measured approach that she has in that midfield I don't think it's just though Rich is it that she she always comes out of tight spaces and a number of players around her with the ball she emerges with it but she often chooses the right pass afterwards yeah and I think that shows that Kim has I don't know whether she's adapted her game as she's got older but I mean she's not as naturally mobile in terms of getting around the pitch as she was but she's got that technical ability in in games where Arsenal dictate and that is a lot of games that she will dictate them, you know, because she'll get on the ball, she'll have time and, you know, she's got a vision and and footwork like very few other players that have ever played in the WSL. And again, you could could probably compare to players down the years in the men's and the women's games that as they got older, they just started to control matches a bit more because they actually did less. You know, they weren't bombarding forward and, you know, smashing goals in every week. They just started to do what was right for them and that was to just get on the ball, you know, have that vision have that ability to pick passes. And, and Kim doesn't score as much as she used to because I think her game has changed. But, you know, she's still such a pivotal part of what Arsenal do. And, and there will come a day where they're going to have to find another Kim Little, which won't be easy. But, you know, she's still yeah, she's still a huge part. And I think the fact she's still starting every week in, in such a, a midfield that has such depth um, last season and this, obviously they lost a couple over the summer, it just shows how good she is and... Uh, yeah, you know, if you've got Kim Little in your team, you're always going to have a chance of uh, of success. Before we move on to another game that helped Arsenal out as well, um, worth mentioning about the gesture at the start of this match, especially because it was in front of all the Sky cameras. But we saw a show of solidarity uh, with the NWSL following sexual misconduct allegations. Um, four matches uh, carried that out this weekend. Brighton against Spurs, Reading against Villa, West Ham against Birmingham and Chelsea against Leicester as well. What did you make of that, both of you? And the show over here, it felt like it came from the players as well, from the ones that I spoke to. That was where the decision was made. It was from the the playing personnel. Yeah, what I'd say there, Lindsay, is it came from the players because the players have experienced this throughout their careers and it hits home far too often. And the fact that something wasn't done in 2015 when complaints were made, fundamentally, it's wrong. It's wrong and it's great that the players are now speaking up that things are being done about it because it's not been good enough. And unfortunately, 
most of the players have probably experienced something or in and around teams over the course of their career. And it shouldn't happen and it needs to stop. And I think it was great that um, they showed the solidarity with the NWSL. Yeah, this is all relating to allegations um, concerning North Carolina Courage coach Paul Riley, who denies the allegations it is being looked into. Um, We will move on. We've got more games to get through. I've got a player interview coming up, actually, Alicia, and it's someone I think you will absolutely love because I can imagine that you would be right behind a player like Louise Quinn at Birmingham. We'll be speaking to her and Brighton versus Spurs coming up next. You're listening to The Athletic Women's Football Podcast. If you're not yet a subscriber to The Athletic, you can get a third off a subscription right now by heading to theathletic.com forward slash WSL pod. You're listening to The Athletic Women's Football Podcast with me, Lindsay Hooper, joined by former Matilda Alicia Ferguson-Cook and women's football writer Rich Laverty. Uh, the Seagulls swooped in to end Spurs' fairy tale start to the season, handing them their first defeat of the campaign. League Min and Victoria Williams netted first for Brighton after a double yellow for Rachel Williams saw a sending off um, another one in WSL this weekend. Uh, Ten-woman Tottenham side could only manage a consolation goal from Kit Graham. Now, these two teams I suppose they're the surprise packages is that how we would label them this season um but certainly for Spurs who'd started so well um it does see a little gap emerge now between Arsenal and the chasing pack doesn't it Rich um yeah I think that was always gonna probably happen um yeah Tottenham did really well you know Rianne Skinner's done a very good job and I think they probably went under the radar a little bit in the summer with the recruit obviously you always focus on the big three or four clubs but obviously there was a lot of attention on on Everton as well and, and Leicester coming up there always is and a couple of new clubs obviously that had new managers like like Aston Villa and Birmingham like you said but they recruited quite well you know they brought in some you know decent name players and, and good players and you know another Australian in, in Kaya Simon that came in and but no, I think you know they've done uh, they've done a good job. Brighton doesn't surprise me as much because I think they were very good last season. Um, Hope Powell's done a great job. You know, I probably had some queries about how she'd do when she took that job a few years ago because she'd been out of the game a little bit and, and not really managed at club level, and, and it took a little bit of time. But she's just turned them into a very good outfit. You know, a very solid outfit. They win a lot of games. They were in the top half last season, and to be honest, it, it wouldn't surprise if they were there again you know they don't buy many players but when they do they add quality you know they added Daniel Carter this summer they brought um, Lee Min back from Manchester City and Emma Coivisto was a massive signing in January um, she's been brilliant for them they've got Megan Walsh in goal who's always been one of the top WSL keepers and goes under the radar a little bit so you know Hope's done a great job and, and they keep getting those results and you know, um, so that's not as much of a surprise to me that Brighton are doing so well again this season. I must admit I had this one down as a draw, Alicia, but Brighton winning, that's three wins in five in the league. What do you think they're missing in order to make them top three or four contenders for the entire season? Lindsay, it's like anything in this league. You know, you need a couple of attackers who are going to consistently score your goals. And the better teams, and it's not just one or two players that you have to rely on because that puts a lot of pressure on them. You know, you need a bank of three or four players. That's that's the difficulty for the and the difference between the top teams and the ones a bit below. But I think I agree completely with Rich. I think the great thing about Hope is she came from a role where she wasn't coaching every single day. You know, being in England, a national team coach, you get very limited time with your players and she's now been into this consistency of on the park every single day. And Hope has always been very focused on a very solid defensive unit. And that's absolutely what she's creating at Brighton there. Um, I mean, I think it was, it was a shame that Rachel Williams got sent off. I'm sure we're going to talk about that because that was a ridiculous decision. Yeah, let's finish off with this one and talk about those. So two yellows. Were they both yellows? Alicia, I know that you wanted to get it off your chest, so go. You go first. <sighs> Were they both yellows? Um, questionable. You know, I've seen maybe the first one given. The second one was a fair challenge in the air. Her arms weren't raised. It was shoulder to shoulder. It's Rachel Williams, who is a big unit. <laughs> it just it wasn't. Even in real time, it didn't look like a yellow card. It's so frustrating. And I think, you know, that definitely took away an attacking option for Spurs. 
But yeah, again, I know we'd, we talk about not wanting to be overly critical of the referees, but unfortunately that was a wrong decision and she shouldn't have been sent off. We'll move on to Chelsea against Leicester City next because uh, there's a lot of talking points around this game. It did look like bottom of the table, Leicester were going to pull off an upset here for a while. They managed to keep last year's champions, Chelsea, out for the first 80 minutes. Um, but off the subs bench came Ballon d'Or nominee Penilla Harder. Sorry, I shouldn't laugh, but you think when the, the bench is getting warmed up and you look across and you're Leicester City, you've put, you're all into it for 80 minutes. There's Penilla Harder um, and also Frank Kirby. And it was those two that were involved in the goals late on. Um, Frank Kirby also nominated for the award, of course. Starting with the home side, Alicia, do you think that Chelsea looked tired? That seems to be one of the conclusions drawn if you look at social media and different fans' perspectives. Yeah, and it wouldn't surprise me. They've got a lot of games and they come in quick succession. And Emma Hayes has said, you know, they, they don't even look ahead to the next game. It's pretty much a day-by-day process. And even as a player, all you do is like, right, where am I tomorrow? What do I need to do? And you can't, it's, impossible to physically and mentally get yourself up for every single game they get themselves up and this is no disrespect to Leicester so please don't take it this way but they had to get themselves up for a very emotionally and physically straining game against Wolfsburg midweek Leicester they probably think okay right with lots of changes we need to freshen things up but we've got the quality and we should win this game Leicester did a fantastic job, but you can't expect Chelsea to be at their optimum level physically and mentally for every game at the moment because they are coming thick and fast. And now most of their players, again, now you've got most of their players off for international duty, which only adds to their workload as well. So I'm not surprised that that game went the way it did. But like you say, then you've got the Penilla Harder. I mean, if I was Leicester, I'd just be like, oh, far out. Here we go. <laughs> right, we've got Fran and Penilla coming on. You know, as a player, for as, oh, like, I've been there. I've been there before where you're like, we've done so well. We could have nicked something. And then you see the ball go up. You just go, oh, man, shivers. Right, here we go. Right, let's try and keep it going, girls. Come on, 10 more minutes to go. <laughs> it's really, really difficult because defending for long periods of time is very fatiguing as well. Mm. Being at a championship club, Rich, you'll know Leicester City very well from last season, um, from getting promoted. What did you think about this performance? I, I thought for the 80 minutes, they looked really good for it. But in the end, it is about trying to get throughout the whole match. And, and they were up against it for the last 10. Yeah, I mean, defensively, it was certainly a world away from when I watched them live against Manchester City in the in the Cup the other week. It's difficult, you know, like you say, when you can bring those level of players on. But, you know, they showed promise and that's what they need to do. And, and they need to do that, though, in the other games. They need to do that in the winnable ones um, when, you know, players like Tash Flint and Jess Sigsworth and Hannah Kane, etc., might be a bit more involved because they've got goals in the team. They've got players that can score. But, you know, they need to become a little bit more solid. And if Sunday was a little glimpse at, at maybe that solidity and and yeah you know maybe on another day if Chelsea hadn't have had Champions League and they'd had the first team out it could have probably been 6-7-0 um, because Chelsea can do that to anybody I thought they did look a little bit not tired necessarily I thought they were a little bit disjointed because they did make so many changes and I think Emma Hayes alluded to that but like you say when you can bring on Penile Harder and Sam Kerr and then that doesn't work and you can bring on Guru Wrighton and Jiso Yun and you know eventually you get the breakthrough obviously you know, that's why Chelsea won the league last season and also why they won the Continental Cup and got to the Champions League final because they can change six, seven players and still have one of the best teams in the world out on the pitch. So, you know, that just shows, I think for Leicester, they'll be happy with how they did. I mean, they probably came into that game expecting nothing. You know, they're not the games that's going to define whether they stay up or not. Um, but they showed a lot of promise. And yeah, if they can do that when they play Birmingham and West Ham and Tottenham and Reading and, you know, Aston Villa, etc., then, you know, they're going to have a fighting chance. We'll move on to one of those results. Uh, West Ham won, Birmingham City won. Um, so sitting one spot above Leicester in the table are Birmingham. They picked up that first point of the season. Uh, Captain Louise Quinn scored a tap-in to equalise after a long-range goal from West Ham's Claudia Walker. Uh, we'll hear from Louise in a little bit. Is Louise Quinn carrying Birmingham at the moment, Alicia? Look, she's an experienced player and she is the one to organise to be a leader and that's what Birmingham need. They definitely need that at the moment because they are up against it. They don't have the same resources that a lot of the other clubs do. But this was a really solid point. I would say there was a potential foul on Mackenzie Arnold, uh, the West Ham goalkeeper, for this goal. But taking that aside, 
West Ham did have most of the possession, but they just they gritted it out. They toughed it out. So yeah, I think I think it was a fair result. I don't think West Ham it wasn't their best performance. Um, they were they didn't look overly sharp. You know, they still had a lot of possession, but a fair result for that game. Rich, what did you think uh, about West Ham in this one? Because we haven't got too long to spend on this because we're going to hear from Louise in a second. But in terms of their start to the season, five games unbeaten in a row, is it a marked improvement under Oli Harder? And can you see what he's trying to achieve there? Yeah, again, they were another team that recruited quite heavily over the summer and it will take a little bit of time to click. They they kind of, they flatter to deceive a little bit. One minute you think they've turned a corner, they have a really good result, score some goals, and then, you know, you think, are they going to go and build on it and beat Birmingham, you know, a game that probably they should have won. And they were a little bit under par again. So I think, again, it's just taking a little bit of time to gel, but there's definitely positive signs. I mean, they signed some good players. Hasegawa, the Japanese player, is a fantastic player for West Ham. So, you know, I think it will come good. But they just, and it's been the story for probably two or three years now, just waiting for them to find a little bit of consistency in their results. Let's hear from the heart of the Birmingham side. Certainly been wearing her wounds recently. Producer Sophie spoke to Louise Quinn. First of all, Thank you so much for coming on the show. We're really excited to have you here after you're scoring the equaliser this weekend. Um, I see you're not wearing your enormous headband now. Are you all okay injury-wise? I am, yes, I am all okay. The stitches have healed up nicely and, um, yeah, so got them out. Got them out directly then after that United game. Um, Yeah, and obviously, yeah, the bandage was, uh, yeah, a bit dramatic to kind of essentially just kind of keep you know, keep the plaster on and then obviously, yeah, to kind of add a little bit of extra protection um, just in case as, yeah, I was, you know, still generally going up for a lot of headers and doing all that. So, um, yeah, it was, uh, thankfully, it's it's off now. Although, you know, it worked it worked quite well, but it's, uh, yeah, it was a bit uncomfortable. So I was happy to have it off. And I noticed uh, before the match, um, obviously your team and West Ham linked arms in solidarity for the NWSL players after the sexual misconduct allegations. Why was it important to you that your team did that? Yeah, I think it was just, it just sends such a, a powerful message and an important message, um, you know, and I just think the the women that have come out over there in that league to to tell their story and explain what happened and um, you know, has just been has been massive, and it's you know, and unfortunately, it's it's probably not over like in that league. And I think it's a it's has to be a worldwide message. So we just wanted to obviously bring it over here, and yeah, and and hopefully open that conversation if there's any sort of issues like that. And so for us, it was yeah, obviously just a very easy decision. Um, extremely powerful. It's you know, extremely sad, and obviously we've a, a couple of yeah, you know, the Irish girls that are over there, you know, with with NC Courage as well and you know yeah just to just to kind of be there for them and obviously just to you know even just to get messages as well I had you know Amy Turner on as well just asking if you know if we thought that something like that was even possible and of course then when we heard that something that you know that that clubs were going to do of course it was it was an easy decision but um obviously not for the best of reasons but extremely important Definitely. And and the match kicked off and you scored the equaliser to get 1-0 against West Ham. Congratulations. I saw you said on Twitter, there's a first for everything, a goal with the feet. Were you surprised to score like that? Talk us through the goal and how it felt. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. Very surprised. And I think even other people would be very surprised as well. Um, you know, usually when the ball is yeah coming towards my feet, it's, uh, you know, I try to duck down and, and head it. And that even happened in the in their Ireland Australia game as well. So um but no this was obviously it just it just fell kindly. Great delivery from Lisa. And then yeah Harriet Scott getting across the front post and yeah and essentially yeah putting the keeper off, making it difficult for the defender. She says she thinks she touched it but she's not sure but she ended up in the back of the net herself. And yeah and I just kind of once I kind of just saw the opportunity yeah just kind of just kept making my run and it it just fell so kindly and it just was a tap in. It really was, you know, it's, that's as, as good as it was probably going to get with my feet, but, you know, but it was still just, it's more just the, yeah, just contributing and just trying to and get that draw to pull back the game where I thought we, you know, for everything that we've done so far, you know, we, we need that bit of luck. We need that. Yeah. We need those results. And I think we, we really deserved it. And I just thought again, 
everything that was put into that second half. And then again, especially the last 10 minutes when it was very, very difficult and, and they were putting a lot of pressure on us. And, you know, I just thought the girls just dealt with it, you know, perfectly. And, you know, we it's it's just, again, it's another building block to, to go off. How does it feel to have your first points on the board now? Yeah, as again, it was just something that we, we really needed. Um, you know, you don't look at the table you know, too often, but every now and then your your eyes do scan over and see, kind of see what's happening. And and it's and again, it's it's competitive sport. It's football. You want to. The whole point is obviously trying to to gain points. And you know, the fact that we hadn't picked up any at that at that stage was yeah. It can be, it can be, it can be tough on a team. You know, we're we're competitive people. And um, so yeah, so just to kind of get that get that result against obviously as well a a really good West Ham side, and obviously they were you know, full of confidence after their win against City. So it was, you know, it was again just really important for us then to kind of, yeah, just just pounce on that and, and just try to take away their their strengths and how they play. And when you are glancing at the table occasionally and you see that you're closest to the bottom, how do you keep confidence high in the team and maintain the morale? Um I just think it is. It's it's going into each game and then taking something from us, like taking a lot of the positives that come from us um, and taking it into the next game and making sure then that right kind of any of the little errors, mistakes that maybe we had or just in terms of performances are then just like lifted again. And that's, I can just, you can just see that progression with the team that each week these things are just getting better and better and to kind of, you know, to always just see that improvement and to want people then, you know, and have a training week where people are just enjoying their football as well. Again, it's, it brings confidence and I think, yeah, getting getting that result against a, a very good team is is something that you know. Hopefully, it just it, it keeps going and we keep growing and um, you know. And again, we're going to have hopefully like a couple of players back from from injury as well, which is just going to strengthen strengthen everything up again. So, you know, for us, it's it is it's it's been a process, but <clears throat> you know, I think again, we are we're learning like a lot quicker now and really kind of getting that understanding. You talk about the process there. Obviously, the club had a lot of new players coming in this season. Have you? Would you say that's presented a challenge or taken a while to to get used to? Yeah, absolutely. That's it's that's always part of the way. And people coming yet from a lot of different leagues, different teams. Um, you know, some with not as much kind of WSL experience. Um, you know, even myself, I'm kind of having to come in and and adapt to to the league again. Um, you know, so it's just trying to, um, yeah, to make that that gel as you know as quick as we can. You know, we we always knew as well that it was still always going to be a, a really tough battle. Um, you know, from from the offset, but again, as long as we're kind of seeing the improvements, enjoying our football, things will start to again, you know, eventually kind of really really click. But at the moment, you know, it's it's how we're how we're going forward as well. I'm you know. I'm happy and proud of the girls, just the the work rate they put in. And you've obviously come in as captain. What leadership style have you taken on at Birmingham? Um, yeah, I think it's just kind of hopefully just a lot of positive reinforcement and just kind of, yeah, a lot of communication, I think, from from my part, just really just trying to help the players, you know, first of all, directly kind of around me and, and communicate to try and make their job easier, which then hopefully in turn makes my job a little bit easier then. They're doing a little bit more of the work to kind of cut off, you know, balls through to to centre forwards and yeah, and just have it as a, you know, an open dialogue as well. Obviously, you know, want them to feel comfortable to be able to come and, and ask questions and talk if they, you know, if they need anything. But yeah, just mainly on the pitch, all about the communication and just getting, you know, a good positive vibes kind of around, to be honest. And what's Scott been like as a manager? Yeah, it's just been obviously really interesting to have him in and I think he even said it a few years ago, he he tried to sign me. So it's good to obviously work with him now. And um, you know, he has such a you know, a amazing reputation in in Scotland and in that league and and with Glasgow. And, you know, so this is and but this is again, this is something for the players to adapt to and something for for him to adapt to as well. And, you know, and we're all kind of learning so much. But again, for him as a as a coach as well, and kind of seeing him quickly turn and develop and um, you know, I think it's obviously, yeah, you can at the start, you know, a lot, but then you can see everything is now becoming far more in depth and and the detail and the, you know, and he's he's again, he's had to, you know, he's had to learn a lot about 
20, 22, 24 girls in such a, you know, in such a short space of time. So, you know, he's just been, he's just been taking it on. And, and I think he's, he's really kind of found out obviously what, yeah, his, his clear goals for us and how he wants us to, to set up. And, you know, it's, it's really becoming apparent now. And it's, you know, again, each, each week, the training sessions have just been of, of good quality, good drills. And, you know, we're coming out, hopefully having kind of learned something, but then, you know, like enjoying the session as well and kind of getting something out of it. You've got Brighton coming up next in the Continental Cup on Wednesday. How's the team feeling about that match? And you say you want to get one extra thing out of each game. What what would be you be looking to get out of the Brighton match? Uh, yeah, you know, obviously it's it's now it's been a really quick turnover of of the games, but you know, for us, I think obviously we we had a really disappointing result against Brighton earlier on in the league. Um, yeah, so for us, it's obviously to kind of clean up those those errors that happened in that game um you know to kind of not let a result happen like that for us it was really tough for and then obviously as well for the for the fans it was you know a really difficult one as well to kind of see see a result like that so for us it will just be yeah now kind of I think we've really figured out how we want to play I think in that in that game the first time we were still still very very like new to the league and adapting so, you know, we've kind of figured out kind of what block we want to play. We kind of know better how to press teams, you know, you know, better just, you know, scenarios all around the pitch. And then it's actually, generally, it's actually just fixing those individual errors. Well, best of luck for that one. Thank you so much for speaking to us today. Thanks, Emil. Sophie, thanks for having me. Louise Quinn speaking to producer Sophie. Just picking up on that, it, it sounds like she's hinting, both of you, that that Birmingham are a club in transition under Scott Booth, which isn't the most obvious thing to say. But what I wonder about that is the timing of this building process because the season's already underway. Alicia? <laughs> I don't think they've got any choice but to be in a transition process. But I think the key thing for Birmingham is trying to stay up and not get relegated because I think they're they're at a big risk of going down and and you know it's a shame they just don't they don't have the same resources as the other clubs but they have to do everything in their power to try and stay in the WSL well, their Birmingham rivals, Aston Villa, couldn't help them out this weekend. It finished Reading 3, Villa 0. Reading earned their first win of the season in style. We saw Eichland, Rowe, Dowie popping up with goals. Uh, Villa had moments where they dominated possession in this one, but they didn't get a shot on target. And I think when they look back on that, will that be the most disappointing thing of this, that they didn't even test the goalkeeper? Yes, I think so. And again, just, you know, having M. Gilnick not there, they definitely need, because I think Carla Wood has them set up really well. I think, you know, there was a mistake by Anita Asante again to allow Reading for one of their goals, but that's the difference. They need they need to start creating chances and getting shots on goal going forward. Um, and I think they will be really disappointed if that, um, because, yeah, it's, you know, again, this Reading game against Villa, both teams would see this as an opportunity to win. But to lose 3-0, I think they'll be very, very disappointed. Anything to add, Rich? No, I think, obviously, I know Carla very well and I think she will have been disappointed by how sort of easily they gave that game up in the first half. Uh, like Alicia said, they just lacked a bit up front, which I think they're going to, if Emily's not available, I don't think they've got the the quality there in numbers and uh, they need to be tighter at the back. They, they certainly can't do what they did on, on Sunday and get three goals up by half-time. There'll be a one-month break in WSL now, making way for the Continental Cup, Champions League and the Internationals. Uh, The England squad for the upcoming World Cup qualifiers at the end of the month against Northern Ireland and Latvia is being announced just after we finish recording this very show uh, on Tuesday lunchtime. So look out for some news from that. Uh, Champions League, though, several players expected to make that England squad were in midweek action for Chelsea and Arsenal. Uh, The group stages, they've changed the format, which has all seemed to go, go down very well. A total of 691,000 views on DAZN's YouTube channel uh, for Arsenal's 4-1 defeat to Barcelona and Chelsea's 3-3 draw against Wolfsburg. Um, those two matches, and I know, of course, we revealed earlier, Alicia, that you were at the Chelsea game, and I know that you're seeing Arsenal later this week. Is there anything that we can take away from them, those opening group games in terms of the quality of the football that we're going to see? I think it's as simple as we're seeing quality football in. And I think the proof is that when women's football is now given the platform and the visibility, that people will watch it. 
And I think the numbers were great. Um, I think what Dazone are doing with different language commentary as well to really, you know, tap into the whole audience, I think is fantastic. And, you know, people can't continue arguing that no one cares about women's football. I mean, they're all idiots anyway who say that. We all know that. But I just think the visibility matters. And that those numbers absolutely prove it. And the 1.1 million for the WSL game on the weekend. Put it on TV, put it in front of people, and they will watch it because it's a great product and the quality is great and it's entertaining. Rich, the one for you to put into words is the difference between Arsenal, who are top of our league in WSL in England right now, going up against Barcelona, who really seem to teach them a lesson. Yeah, I mean, they've just completely nailed down their philosophy when you look back to when they got battered by Leon in the Champions League final a few years ago. They're a completely different team now. I think what's interesting is they only have six non-Spanish players. It's very much homegrown. You know, they all play the same way. And the thing against Arsenal, I think it took Jonas by surprise as well. They were just so on the same page as each other, so good at what they do. It was like they were just... All 11 players were one complete unit. Every single player knew what the other was doing. And when you've got that and you've got the quality of the players they do, um, they're going to be hard to stop. And to be honest, if they became the new Leon and dominated for the next few years, I would not be surprised at all. That brings us on nicely to the Ballon d'Or nominees because I would be very surprised if it isn't a Barcelona player that picks it up this time. Uh, Ten players on the pitch in these two Champions League games were nominated for the Ballon d'Or on Friday. Twenty players made the shortlist ahead of the awards ceremony on November 29th in Paris. Now, seven out of the 20 are players from WSL. Five from Chelsea, Frank Kirby, Sam Kerr, Jessie Fleming, who got her first start at the weekend, Penilla Harder and Magdalena Eriksson, as well as City's Ellen White and Arsenal's Viv Miedemar. Megan Rapinoe won it in 2019, hasn't been nominated. We're going to play a little game then with you for for this one both of you and it's uh, called start one bench one sell one a bit like snog marry avoid i think uh, apologies in advance to the players sold it's nothing personal they just have to pick somebody um so i will begin with alicia and who would you start start one and out of that whole list then yeah the whole ballon d'or list okay easy start one wendy renard lover Okay, I'm going to follow that up with the person that I think should win this, Lika Martins. Rich? I'm going to follow it up with the person that I think should win it then, and I think that's Alexia Patelas for Barcelona. Okay, so if we're going to bench one of these players, hard to do, but who do you go for? Let's go the other way around, Rich. Oh, my God. Um, I mean, if, if you're going to do it in the nicest way possible and say, well, I want somebody to have to come on, into my team, then I'd probably go for Fran Kirby because I thought she had an unbelievable year. Her stats are immense in terms of goals and assists and uh, I'd hate not having her involved. I think she could easily be top three or four in the Ballon d'Or this year. So, And she's had a great story coming back from the illness that she had to, to play as well as she's done. So um, I'm going to say Fran, but not as a bad thing. I'm going to say it as a very good thing that I want her to be able to come on into my team. Is that like you want to bench someone or who you want on your bench? You can infer it how you want to, but when it comes to sell one, Alicia, you've got to be brutal. So um, I'm going to go along the line... (laughs) I'm going to go along the lines of Rich. For similar reasons, Christine Sinclair. I mean, let's take her age. I mean, what she's achieved in the game is brilliant, but I think she might be that impact sub. So I'm going to go for her. Portland Thorn player, um, also immense for Canada. How about you, Alicia? Far out, man. This is so tough. Um, I'm going to go Stina Blackstenius because I think she's a really good impact player. I think she's been struggling with consistency. Um, But I think, you know, she can make a difference when she comes on. I can't believe we've got to do this, but we've got to sell one. Sell one of these players that's been nominated. Um, you know what? I'm going to start us off and purely for the cool. fact that she doesn't get enough game time at Chelsea, I'm going to go Jessie Fleming because clearly they do it without her quite a lot. Is that too harsh? <laughs> no, it's not too harsh. I was going to say a similar thing. I mean, Jessie Fleming is a great player. I mean, it's just a cruel game, this, isn't it? It's not very nice. Um, but yeah, for the same reason, I think she's a quality player. But, um, yep, that's, yeah. Sorry, Jesse. Sorry, I really like your style of play. I think you're fantastic, but I'm going to sell you, mate. Sorry. Go for someone different, Rich. Go on. Well, yeah, I was actually going to say, Jesse, but now that you two have done it, I don't feel like I, <laughs> I should. So I don't feel as bad now. Um, 
Poor Jesse, though. We've all gone Jesse. I know, I know. Oh, my no, word. I, I, I'm going to go someone else because I don't want to gang up on her. But, uh, I mean, she did have, you know, it, it's a tough one, decisions like that, because she did have such a big influence, obviously, on the biggest competition of the year. But, like Lindsay said, just didn't really play at, at club level. But, I don't know. I mean, there was one or two I thought that were in there. I, I didn't really. I mean, Ellen White, I thought, you know, she had an okay year. But was it Ballon d'Or worthy? Um I'm not sure. Yeah, where's Graham a... Hansen as well, Rich? Where's Graham yeah, Hansen I mean, in this list? I, I was shocked about on? that. That was the one that I, I might just I might sell Sam Kerr just to annoy Alicia, but uh, no. <laughs> Sam had it. Sam had a great year. Oh, buyer then. You can Sam sell her old Yeah, she had a great year. Um, I, I would have sold. Je- I'll, I'll sell Ellen White. Nothing against Ellen. I just was a little bit. Um, I thought she's had a very good year, solid, but I just was a little bit surprised to see her in the top twenty, but. Yeah, there, there was a couple like that. Nothing against Ellen. There's a few in there I probably wouldn't have had. That's a really tough game to play. People it who is, are listening, horrible. just try it. It's try doing it. Can we not transfer one in rich. as well so we can say Graham Hansen? Yeah, go on. I'll let yeah, you rich. transfer Graham Hansen in. Yeah. But I think because we probably all say the same player, wouldn't we, for that? It's crazy she's not in it. Absolutely crazy. Ridiculous, isn't it? What's going on there? What's going on, people? What is going on? But yeah, let's ditch, let's ditch Sam Kerr as well. <laughs> on to nicer things <laughs> <I love it. laughs> Hall of Fame um, you don't have to ditch anyone in these uh, just a note um, from the news lines this week because in the UK it's a new kind of honour that's been set up and it grabs the best of the best from the women's game and puts them in a Hall of Fame Farrah Williams Kelly Smith Rachel Yankee and Emma Hayes were announced as the first ever inductees more to follow throughout the year uh, coming up as well this week it's the second group stage matches in the Champions League as Chelsea face Juventus on Wednesday tickets are actually free for that one and and Arsenal take on German side Hoffenheim on Thursday. Alicia, I know that you're at Arsenal, but we want some predictions for these games. What do you reckon? Um, yeah, I think both the England teams should win. I do you want score predictions, Lynn? You can do. Go full out, yeah. No, I hate score predictions, so I'm glad you said that. No, I'll, 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 I'll skip that one. Um, but yeah, I think both of these two teams, Chelsea should be too good for Juventus, even though they're a quality outfit. Um, and I think Arsenal, just in their form and bouncing back from the defeat against Barcelona and how they bounce back against Everton, should beat Hoffenheim. Do you agree, Rich? Yeah, I do. I, I think there'll be two interesting games. I think, obviously, Chelsea-Juventus looks a bit more glamorous on paper, but Hoffenheim have actually become a really good team. Uh, they've got some really good players and they play attacking football and, and, obviously, Arsenal very much play attacking football. So I'm actually quite looking forward to uh, to trying to watch a little bit of that. But I think both English teams will win, yeah. And back here, it's the group stage of the Continental League Cup as well. Um, we'll watch out for Manchester City against Everton. That's on Wednesday. Manchester United against Championship Table Toppers Durham on Thursday. And Rich, we'll wish you good luck as well uh, in your role at Sheffield United as they take on Sunderland. Um, we're running out of time, guys. So I'm going to have to say thank you very much for joining me. Are there any of these other matches that you're at, Alicia, or is it just Arsenal? Just the Arsenal one this week, Lynn, so I can be a couch-sitting fan for the other ones. Mm. Rich, great to have you on again. I've got a weekend off as well. Um, That is it for this week's The Athletic Women's Football Podcast. Uh, Do remember to rate and review wherever you get the show. And there's lots of articles over on offsiderulepodcast.com as well. And check out The Athletic Women's Football section too, because there's lots of stories coming through all the time on there. The Athletic Women's Football Podcast is proudly partnered with NOW. With a NOW Sports membership, you can watch the biggest moments from the Women's Super League live. Find out more at nowtv.com. The Athletic.